0: the past is actually a representation of who I am now rather than who I am now is a representation of my past. I I want past, to write this down Yeah, because I feel like that just yeah. blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, so when you're thinking about neuroscience um, and you're even just thinking about memory in general, memory is always a reconstruction in the present. So if I was to think right now about last week, that would be different than if I was thinking about it a week from now. And a week from now, I'll be slightly different. I'll be in a different context. And so if I'm thinking back uh, a few weeks I'm I'm gonna be in a different place. And so the main thing is is, is that who you are in the present is basically what is creating the past. Obviously the past influences who you are in the present. It's kind of a, a circular, but memory is always a reconstruction in the present. And one of my favorite psychologists, he wrote a book called Time and Psychological Explanation. His name is Brent Slife, but he said that it's more accurate to say that the present causes the meaning of the past than to say that the past causes the meaning of the present.
1: How would you, How would you offer advice to somebody who feels like this all sounds cool, Dr. Benjamin, but I'm literally locked in the moment right now, and I, I don't have a lot of headspace or slack in my life to do anything otherwise?
0: Yeah, definitely. One thought I will say to this person that you're describing is is like it's very common to get absorbed in the present and to and to think that the present is all that matters rather than to kind of thoughtfully look at it, maybe get in touch and getting in touch with your future self is very similar to just honestly meditation um. It's it's not the same as meditation, but it could be a form of meditation. And so I would argue if you're not taking time regularly even to just sit and just like think for even like five or ten minutes, but like that everything feels too overwhelming, then you're, from my view, you're definitely like probably off course. And like, so getting connected to the future self, a lot of it's just really about like, am I on the right track? Am I on a track I want to be on? Do I like this? It's really a way of having conversations with yourself. Um it's very in line with just the whole framework of important versus urgent, right? And so it's like if everything feels urgent and you're not connected to what's important, then you're probably not making massive strides forward. You're probably on autopilot. You're probably on, on the hamster wheel. So I think it's extremely important, even if you feel stressed, even if you feel busy, even if you feel like you don't have those five minutes to just go and sit and sit in your journal and just write all the things you're you probably need that more than anyone. But you never reach a point when you don't need that. You never reach a point when you mm. don't need those ten minutes. Mm. Um, it's a continuous process of of clarity and of of making progress and of of learning to prioritize and learning self awareness. And so we all need it. Um, we can all get overly overly absorbed in the present by the stresses of it, and then downplay our future. So it's I think it's very common. Yeah, yeah. I I'm just jotting this down, but I I.
1: I want to ask in a moment about trauma because I feel like it adds a bit of a different piece to it. But um, two things are coming to mind right now is, you know, if someone had five minutes and wanted to start this, like they're bought in, um, what, would, what would somebody do? I've got, I've got five minutes of my day. That's all i got. What would be the practice that I get into?
0: I would honestly actually start, if you only are going to give yourself five minutes, period, flat, actually do it at night. Okay. Um, so do it at night. And, and if you would or could So research shows that 90% of people procrastinate sleep by just mindless scrolling. And so they're literally procrastinating sleep and literally putting their future self in a hole the next morning because of mindless consumption. So, and we all, you know, that's very common. And so it's, in my view, what you do in the last hour of your day is the most potent form of habit formation. So like what we do at night, right before we sleep is going to inform our habits way more than any other period of the day. Um, And so a lot of huge, huge amount of research on this, that if you just simply at the end of your day, pull out your journal and just write down three things from that day that you are grateful for. It's so basic, but it's shown dramatically to increase happiness and to increase sleep quality. Hmm. It just gets things down. But also if you just give yourself three to five minutes, a lot of times because people are not practiced at this, and I, I have different iterations of this. I have uh, in my mind, a lot deeper forms of reflection than just simply writing what you're grateful for. But this is like a, honestly, just a start because it trains people to look back at the day and to think about it. And to just simply say, you know, uh, the, the initial reaction, if I ask my three, you know, my older three kids who are teenagers, what are you, what are you happy about from the day? Or what are you grateful for? They'll sometimes just say literally nothing. Hmm. And it's like, well, then think about it. Hmm. What happened today? What could you be grateful for? Um, and so by actually thinking about it and pondering it, they'll say, well, actually, you know, that person at work was super nice to me. I'm grateful for that. Like, so now they're starting to take ownership of their past. They're starting to create the frame. They're starting to actually pull usefulness from it. And so they can then think, well, today actually was pretty great. Or, or there was components yeah, of yeah. today that were all right. And so just by simply doing that, that's a, that's a great start. My, my view is, is you can take it a step further
1: because um, that would be yeah shape that would be kind of providing meaning or or kind of looking back and reshaping how you're interpreting now. Like that's a
0: that's, that's what a you're doing, step, right? Reflection. You are shaping the meaning of the past in the present in your journal. And but, you're now framing the day as useful.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And so I think that idea of like gratitude journals makes sense. I'm curious how it connects to the future self part. Because look, you know, reflection is is a different mechanism than looking forward. So then yeah. what's that piece look like?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. Well, so, so here's how I do it. I actually don't do it in that form, but that's like honestly basic. Okay. Like, if people, like really, if, if people really want to get started and they only have five minutes and they're not. So how I do it is, and this is still starting with the night. How I do it is, is at the end of the day, I think how am I different from who I was when I woke up? The reason this is super important, I know that this is not future self. This is me again, re-relating to my past self is, is that if I thought about it, just like with thinking about those three gratitudes, if I actually think about it, and I say, how am I a different person than I was this morning when I woke up? The initial reaction would be, I'm not. It's only been like 12 hours. How could I be different? But if I really think about it, what do I now know that I didn't know before? Um, what, What experiences have I had that my prior self hadn't had when I had just woken up? And if I actually think about it, just like gratitude, I'm creating the frame of my past. I actually can and do see that I am different than my past self, even 12, 13 hours ago, or the night before. 24 hours ago, and by, by actually focusing on that, and by appreciating that, I now acknowledge that I've changed, which increases my psychological flexibility. It allows me to see that I am not the same person, that I am growing, that I am evolving, which is really useful for then getting skillful, at, re, you know, at, at thinking of your future self as a different person. If I'm different from who I was 24 hours from now, then it's, it's likely that my future self could be different in 24 hours in positive, meaningful, and even self-directed ways. And so I just think that it's really, mastery of the past is, is very powerful for also developing mastery of your future. Um, so I don't know if you wanted to note, yeah, yeah, yeah. note that, anyway. I'm very happy to share starter points on getting connected to the future self, but I just think that it's, it's incredibly useful to, to recognize the differences between your current and your past self, and also very useful to be explicit about that. And by writing it down, that's actually part of the integration process. Um, it actually creates change that would not have been there if you hadn't done that process. If I didn't do that at night, then there are certain changes that would not have occurred because I didn't think about it and because I didn't frame it and because I didn't make it explicit and say, oh, here's how I'm different from my past self. You know? Maybe I was a lot more thoughtful in this conversation right? than maybe I would have been a week ago or even than I was yesterday. And so by writing it down, I've now made that change more potent than it would have been had I not done that. And so it's a, I think that that's really powerful. I would say one other really th- important thing here is, is in recognizing that I'm not my past self, whether it's 24 hours ago or whether it's 10 months ago, I have nothing but empathy for my past self. Uh-huh. I, I'm not carrying around a past self that I'm angry at. I don't have any regrets because I'm not the same person as my past. They were operating from a different framework. Um, and so the future self is the same. My future self is insanely empathetic towards my current self. My future self... Uh, has way more wisdom, perspective, context than I do. And so it allows me a lot of freedom to make mistakes, which is a huge aspect of having a growth mindset. Fixed mindset means you're afraid of making mistakes, afraid of trying new things, afraid of um, you know being wrong. I mean, a fixed mindset means that you really are dogmatic and fragile and so you, you don't want to be wrong. Whereas if I know that my future self has better perspectives, uh, then I'm okay making mistakes. I'm okay trying new things.
1: I think people need to hear that. I think I think that's really powerful or like I'm curious on the trauma side. So I just came across this stat that 60% of Americans will have trauma in their life and have PTSD. And so to me, that's not just, I mean, part of it's having empathy for your past self, but there's a, a moment or something locked in time or a trigger that's just causing you to keep getting pulled back there. How, how could this be applied to help somebody get unlocked from something that feels very traumatic in that way?
0: Yeah. Uh, obviously, we, you know, you're not given the toolkit <laughs> when you're born yeah, yeah. To, to having what, what I'm calling psychological flexibility. This is a, a really high bar of what would be called emotional intelligence. Um, but the more emotionally intelligent you get, again, the less dogmatic you see a certain thing. And so from my view, trauma is typically, certainly it was an insanely unexpected, painful emotional experience that um, is continuing to impact you now. Even if you're long away from the experience, uh, if, if the trauma's still impacting you, then you're, you're still framing it such that it's still actually happening, which is, which is really interesting. Uh, there is a lot of research that even shows, obviously having a conversation about it with someone is useful, um, further research showing if you can just think about what you learned from it. So that's a big part of post-traumatic growth. I'm a lot more aggressive about it, uh, frankly. Like, I'm, I'm regularly seeking to turn it into benefits as fast as possible, which is, um, it fits along the lines of anti-fragile versus fragile. So like anti-fragile is a framework created by Nassim Taleb, but it's really about how no matter what happens to you, whether you're at a peak or in a valley, whatever, if it's, if it's something negative, you're as soon as possible turning it into benefits, um, turning it into gains would be the language that we anti-fragile is what it's called. Oh yeah, anti-fragile means that it's the opposite of fragile. So fragile means if something negative happens, um, you know, you're worse off as a result. It creates more entropy into the future. Um, and that's also a view where the past is driving the present. Yep. But if you recognize that it's actually the present that re- that drives the past, that you know, and I'm talking purely in psychological terms, that it's the present it drives that the meaning of the past deeply. Yeah, it 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 drives the framing of the past, the context which determines the content. Um, the angle. And so if I know that, even if I, you know, this is not as traumatic as we're talking about where we're talking about PTSD, although, you know, I've gone through extreme trauma, adopted three, fo- you know, kids went through the foster system who they've had trauma. But even if I have a conversation, say, with my 15-year-old son, and it just doesn't go well, like, I honestly, I don't handle it well. Um, I have a choice. Like, I either can Re, re, reshape it, reshape the meaning of that conversation, turn it into something beneficial, um, turn it into learning and growth, or just let it be. Uh, and, and if I don't do anything about it, then the past is going to dictate the present rather than the present dictating the past. And so um, from my standpoint, it, it's just very useful for me to know that either on a time frame, so let me just say like from here to the last year, or specific events, I have a lot of control over what those mean. I have a lot of control over framing what it means. What does my last year mean? What was the good of it? What was, you know, do I want to look at it from a positive or from a negative, but also specific events? My parents getting divorced, right? Me being in a, a car crash that almost kills my mom, right? I can think on certain events and I can say, well, there's one of two ways. Either my present is, is shaping it or it's shaping my present. And usually with trauma, the past is still determining the present. There isn't a lot of proactive in the present, taking control, approaching it, um, and wanting to do something about it. You, you have, you can't. It's not going to change in a positive way by chance. Mm-hmm. It literally has to by choice. And at some point, you have to directly approach it and decide, "I'm going to do something different here. I'm going to look at this different." Everything is approach or avoid. Wow. Everything is approach yeah. or void.
1: I've got, I've got. I feel like I've got so many questions forming, but. You mentioned. Go ahead. ahead and throw it. No, I mean, we can. We can. can Our second this.
0: framework you wanted to bring up, and so I just want to circle back. I mean, I don't know if it's directly useful anymore. Okay. Um, I think that uh, I, I just want to emphasize really quickly what we're saying: that the past is either an asset or it's a liability. And if it's an asset, that means it's something that's continuing to pay you more and more. You believe that the present and future are better as a result. Um, that there, that because of that experience, you're continuing to get kind of interest in the present and future. Whereas if it's a liability, you believe it's continuing to drain your present and future. And that is all based on how you're choosing to frame it, what you're choosing to do with it. And in the beginning, you may not feel like you have choice in the matter. Like, how could you see it any different? Yeah. Um, and that's like the ability to get to the point where you, where you start to try. And you start to believe that it's possible. And then you start to work on it. Maybe even start to get help in looking at it from a different angle, starting to learn from it, starting to um, think that it was something useful. Even if you, you, you find reasons, just like finding things you're grateful for mm. at the end of the day, you've got to like, actually exert some creativity on it. You have to actually, like, it is creativity, yeah, just yeah. as much as creativity towards your future.